Coming up on this episode of East Screen, West Screen, Netflix Hong Kong is starting out small. Kung Fu Panda 3 says Ni Hao to the U.S. Lunar New Year is almost here, and we talk Vincent Koch's latest comedy, House of Wolves. This is East Screen, West Screen with Paul and Kevin, where if films were food, they'd be full of it. Hello, and welcome to another episode of East Screen, West Screen. This is the show where we talk about film from Hong Kong to Hollywood and some other stuff in between. I'm your host, Paul Fox, and coming to you from his news desk inside a Hong Kong village ancestral hall is Mr. Kevin Ma. Hello, Paul. Oh, God, it's just freezing, dude. Yeah, it's been uh, pretty cold. Uh, yeah. I, I had to order some thermal underwear. <laughs> Sadly, it's not going to get here in time. I mean, I think we're I think we're kind of out of the uh, out of the thick of it, as it were. But we've uh, you know they actually said it was the coldest day here in sixty years. Yeah. So yeah. it's certainly the coldest it's ever been since I've been here. I'm not sure about you, but uh, yeah, it was pretty cold. I mean, uh, well, I yeah. I mean, I have we actually gets that cold in America. I mean, you're from Florida, so it's it's a bit different, but I mean, in in the in San Francisco, it does sometimes get that cold in during the winter. So, uh it's not like I've never run into such a such low temperatures before. Yeah, see, I've never seen snow. So, growing up in South Florida, the weather temperature climate's pretty much exactly the same here as in, in Hong Kong. And, you know, rarely we get a a super cold day. But um, you know, it's it's a little bit different because here, uh, the house we're in, the village house we're in, doesn't have any kind of central heating, right? So we just have right. these small little radiator-style heaters that we can yeah. move from room to room wherever, you know, like... So we have to, we have to make coordinated efforts, like, we're all going to go to this room now and, and try and stay warm in, in, in that room while the other, rest of the house is, uh, is uh, ungodly cold because of the nature of just the stone the stone walls kind of, you know, keeping everything in. Um, but I think we're out of the thick of it now. It's supposed to be up to 22 degrees Celsius, I think, uh, by midday tomorrow. So yeah. And then, and then next week we're back down to the tens. Oh, are we, are we getting cooler again next week? Back to 11 on Monday. Hmm. Well, uh, maybe that thermal underwear will do me some good after all, if it arrives in time. My, my underlings, underparts are doing just fine. Thank you. Very much. <laughs> But we're not here to talk about the weather. This isn't a weather program, for goodness sake. We are here to talk about movies, so why don't we get into that? We'll th um, throw it back over to Kevin at the news desk with our news. All right, here uh, at the news desk, I see Paul, you have some more complaining to do about Netflix, do you? Oh, here well. we go. Here we go, here we go. Uh, yeah, yeah um, so this is uh, coming from the local rag here, the uh, South China Morning Post, as we like rag to call it. Rag indeed, sir. Rag <laughs> indeed. I um, smear my face with such rag. Yeah. My um, dirty face. The, uh, the article in question was basically pointing out the fact that um, 
Netflix Hong Kong, which opened, you know, officially a couple weeks back, is actually has a smaller library than Netflix Antarctica. Now, I didn't even know there was a Netflix Antarctica, but apparently there is, and apparently it's got a larger library than Hong Kong does, at least, you know, in the current incarnation. Now, Again, I, I'm, I'm picking on Netflix. Uh, I am trying to support it. I did sign up for Hong Kong Netflix. Um, but at the same time, I'm kind of a little bit annoyed because Netflix has taken this position of declaring they're going to lay the ban hammer down on VPNs and people using VPNs to access Netflix libraries outside of whatever their current region is, which for many people in Hong Kong... Uh, many people are using these kinds of systems to try and access libraries with bigger content, like, of course, the United States. Um, I am one of those people. I have a paid uh, VPN service that I use that I was using since last year. And, you know, I think it kind of is a little bit hypocritical to say, on the one hand, they're going to sell this platform as Netflix everywhere. But then on the other hand, they're really going to, you know, try and clamp down on this. And we've we've gotten into this debate before. I think if they were truly smart, if they truly had some innovative people in there, they'd get behind this and take ownership of it, you know, sort of like the gold farming issues back in uh, the early days of uh, online gaming. You know, the smart companies said, well, people are going to do this anyway. They're going to find ways to do it. So why don't we just take ownership of it? I think if Netflix went out there and said, Okay, people are going to use paid v- VPNs. Why don't we just have them pay us, you know, pay a, a premium subscription so that they can get, you know, multiple um, regional access to different libraries. Um, and they have to think, too, that they're, again, competing with big players like iTunes, who their basic position is they don't care as long, you know, if you're paying, you technically, I guess you're not supposed to do it, but if you pay with, you know, a foreign country's currency, you can get access to that content. Um, Amazon last year lifted their restrictions. Anything you buy on Amazon, for example, you can download anywhere. You don't need a VPN for it. You own the content, whether you're in country or not. But, but for you, their... still cannot, you still cannot access any of Amazon's TV series outside of America. Even no, with VPN, no, by VPN no, blocks. No, 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 that's, that's not true. Um, because I've bought TV series from Amazon, and I can download them here in Hong Kong. Okay. Um, so if you, buy I, the, if you buy the content, you can get it. Now, where it's different is, is if you are talking about the Prime stuff. Right? Yes. Talk so, about their original TV shows. Um, yeah, because I don't know if you can buy their original TV stuff. Now, see, that's a, that's a different story because they'll let you sign up for Prime here from Hong Kong, yeah. but you still they have a very strict terms of use, saying that they're only blocked, they're only for use of the U.S. Because I was just trying to watch Transparent just before we were starting yeah. to check before we we're starting uh, the the recording, and they they yeah, it's still blocked. And see, yeah, that's that's an interesting that's an interesting sort of middle ground because I don't think they sell those series; those are just there for Prime members. And so, yeah, but what they did do last year is they opened up Prime for um, being downloadable, right? So you can be in the United States, download a bunch of Prime stuff to your device, go abroad and watch it, right? It's not going to check back and, and authorize. Um, so here, here again, the VPN comes into play. If you have a VPN, you can still set the VPN to go and download a bunch of Prime 
titles and and then watch them. So it, it's kind of in that sort of middle that middle area. Um, but yeah, this is again a, a, a you know I know it's a point of contention. I we've we've gone over. Um, the issue before about, you know, the distribution side of it and the content provider side of it. Um, and, you know, I don't mean to rehash the argument, but I they did make one claim with Netflix, Hong Kong. They said that their goal was to double the size of the current library within a year. Um, so 100% growth, you know, you can't really, you know, say too much about that. Um, but whether that will make you know, uh, be very attractive to local users and keep them on board. We'll have to we'll have to see. We'll have to see what kind of content comes in. Uh, the biggest surprise to me so far has been that not all of the um, Netflix exclusives are available in Hong Kong. Um, and I know that Kevin brought this up in a previous discussion. Things like House of Cards, which I guess got sold out to you know other platforms. Um, but hopefully that is something they'll rectify in, in the very near future. Because, I mean, at the very least, you'd think that the Netflix exclusive things would be sort of prime, you know, material for any Netflix region. And I guess the, the other point that kind of, you know, sticks out, sticks out in my mind, too, is, um, as, you know, as the libraries grow, are they going to try and focus more on getting more and more localized content in as well? I think we talked a little bit about a few of the series um, that they have here on offer locally. I mean, no, no real great shakes yet. Uh, even some of the ch- children's programs for, you know, the, the, the children's profile that I set up for my daughter, not a whole lot of titles in there. I mean, it pales in comparison to just, you know, playlists you can find on things like YouTube, for example. But I do hope that, you know, over time they'll be able to um, make it make it much more attractive to local users. Now, some local users have gotten together and they've basically said, if Netflix does go through and put in um, the VPN blocks and it is, you know, fairly good at, uh, you know, locking the VPNs out, that many of them would cancel their uh, Hong Kong Netflix account in this kind of a form of protest. Now, we'll have to wait and see if, if that kind of thing happens or not. Um, I don't think I'd go that far because I think, uh, you know, there's still plenty of local content that's coming down the pipe that I'd probably want to see. But, um, and I also got to wonder too, is, you know, it's, it's one of these situations where somebody comes out with a block and then the next thing, you know, somebody's come around with a workaround for the block. You know, it's like the old days of recording from VHS and copy protection and then getting the little device you'd hooked up to your VCA VHR player and it could undo the copy protection. And then, you know, They'd come out with something else, Macrovision, a year later, and then you come up with the Macrovision Buster the next year. So, I have so much to say at this moment. Go okay, ahead. we can do like half an hour on this. Yeah. First of all, this rag of a newspaper again. I mean, I am tired of these clickbait articles. Uh, writers who can't even bother to check the library before they write articles and and writing like a whiny consumer on Reddit. I mean, we are we. I'm not talking about just 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 me and you, Paul. We talk about you know this rag, the journalists. They're supposed to come from a, a informed 
perspective to know how the business works. Why does Netflix and Antarctica have more shows? Because there are no TV TV stations in Antarctica buying up these TV shows. No one in Antarctica, no, there's no TV network in Antarctica buying House of Cards. There's no TV. Um, there's no NBC in Antarctica owning their shows. That's why Antarctica Netflix has more shows. It's that simple. I mean, it's so stupid to even go like, oh, Netflix hates Hong Kong, so therefore, no, no. they don't have Sherlock. They don't have House of Cards. They don't have uh, uh, these shows that my friends tell me were good that I should have watched two years ago. Um, I mean, you were talking about the Netflix originals. Um, actually, Netflix Hong Kong currently has about 90% of their original shows. Um, for example, Making a Murderer, which you know a lot of people in America are talking about. The full series is online. Uh, Chelsea Does, the new um, uh, documentary comedy series, went on day and date with America. Narcos, Bloodline. You have two of the five Academy Award-nominated documentaries on Netflix right now. Um, what Happened Miss Simone? Um, the, which is a great, great documentary. I just finished watching that today. Um, the other one being uh, Winter, Winter on Fire, I think, the one about the Ukraine Revolution, both Netflix documentary, nominated for Academy Awards. And if we were still talking about the traditional system, we would have had to pirate it and we would never get to see it. Um, so I think Netflix is doing more good than bad. And th- the fact that these journalists or the two of us are still s- sitting here and and talking like whiny uh, entitled i mean consumers have a right to be to be entitled they have a right to complain that they, they don't have they they're they not obligated to know about a business okay but i think those journalists like the one that wrote for the rag i think they they are they they, they do have to come from a place of informed um opinion and that includes understanding how the business works now you were talking about um having to buy you know why doesn't Netflix offer VPN? I mean, we have to stop making sound like Netflix is the bad guy. Netflix does, has way, way less power than you think. You know, Netflix is only as good as its content. And that means that the content owners actually hold a lot more power than Netflix does. It's not Netflix going, we don't want you to have this show, so you don't get it. Ha ha ha. It's, it's the fact is that the content owners are the one thinking, okay, if I sell um, uh, my rights to Netflix for so and so million dollars, let's say five million, uh, let's say hundred thousand dollars US, okay. Now, how much do I end up losing if I choose to sell it to local networks instead, to to local networks uh, in different countries? How much do I make there? They make the math, they throw it back at Netflix. Whether Netflix can afford it or not depends on how much money they have, how much subscribers, they, how many subscribers they have, and blah blah blah. Now, if they realize, they find out, and that's why these um, content owners have these very strict um, regional um, um, contracts with Netflix. They, for example, I think um, there have been articles about how some local networks uh, are fighting back because Netflix, with their global rights, are essentially killing the the market um, for these local television t- uh, stations. For example, Fox International, um, I think Fox International channels here in Asia, they're based in Singapore, but they have channels across Southeast Asia, uh, Hong Kong, um, uh, Taiwan, I think even up in maybe, I think Korea, I'm not sure. But anyway, they have, they, they are dependent on buying these local rights. For example, they hold The Walking Dead, 
blah, blah, blah. And just two weeks ago, um, Sky in the UK signed an exclusive deal, I think, with HBO or Showtime to carry all their shows, which means these local television stations or the local networks, they're fiercely fighting back. They're terrified of Netflix, and they will throw in more money to prevent Netflix from having global rights. Now, these content owners, if Netflix are not willing to openly say that they are doing what they can to to enforce their co- the terms of the contract, what it means is that the content owners just won't sell to Netflix. Now, how does that help any of the consumers uh, 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 end up getting the content they want? Um, right now, there's a local video distributor. Um, I won't say which one, but they hold a certain Hollywood studio films. Um, they are so so um, insistent on people using their own platform to watch films. They even developed their own little um, uh, app uh, uh, to play these films. That means you can buy their films on DVD, Blu-ray, and only their little localized video platform. Because all these little companies, they still want to have the rights to, to, to sell these shows. They're not going to let Netflix dominate the market. So this is what Netflix is 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 facing, um, and and I think that as consumers, you know, I mean we're sitting here and talking about people, you know, being pirates, going around have like, you know, using VPNs to get into uh, uh, where they're not supposed to go into, like it's something to be proud of, right? Like little kids going to a high school lab at night or something, and it's like really cool. Um, and I think the fact that we go around and and talking about actually hurts sort of hurts Netflix clout in getting global rights. Um, does that mean that that Netflix, you know, I'm, I'm totally supportive of Netflix? I, and I think they should work harder. They should have worked harder to to get global rights to shows before they started going. Um, uh, but I think they have tried their best. And I think that I do have faith that they will keep trying to get global rights. But in the meantime, I mean, the thing is, Hong Kong viewing tastes are so myopic that they're still talking about Sherlock. And, and, and Breaking Bad and Mad Men shows they're over already. I mean, you know, why not give the existing shows a try? You have Bloodline, you have Narcos, you have Weeds, you have Gotham. You have so many great programming there. There are 400 scripted series being made every year in America. Um, HBO has their own thing here. Amazon, like we are just talking about. Amazon, I, I, VPN does not work on Amazon Prime Video for me, so it doesn't work anyway. Um, Amazon doesn't, you know, they keep their shows on there. So, you know, there's still plenty of great TV going on Netflix. And I guarantee you would not go through his entire library within a month or two unless, you know, you don't have a job. And if you don't have a job, you shouldn't be able to afford Netflix anyway. Um, um, but speaking, you know, I, I do agree on one point, and I do, and that is that I hope that Netflix will carry more local content. Um, I, I talked to friends in Korea, and they said that uh, actually Korean Netflix does have local films and local TV shows, even though they're not subtitled in English, as in they're just geared towards local audiences. Uh, so, so even a foreigner in Korea really has no use for Netflix Korea if they want to watch more more Korean films. Um, um, but um, I think we, we should kind of count our blessings because there was news coming out that uh, an Indonesian telecom company, I think the maybe the only one, they're blocking Netflix because um, the shows don't meet local censorship standard. Um, or Singapore, uh, the, comp- the government is also um, warning Netflix to make sure that all the shows pass their censorship standards before uh, putting on the show. So I think Netflix is now considering removing 
uh, even more shows in order to meet local censorship standards. So um, I, I, you know, I enjoy watching Netflix at the moment still, and I think they've got some really great shows on there. And um, and I think that we really should sort of understand what place they're coming from. Um, this, so they can't sell VPN connections. It's impossible because if they go the minute they go, we're going to sell VPN. Their they their contents get pulled. No, it's, the, the, it's not. It's not that they they sell VPN. They simply sell an upgrade, up tiered service. Why would there be? It, the the, the it, goal is it's global rights, so there wouldn't right. be and, a need for but it's supposed a to be, up tier service if they have the global rights to their shows. The problem is they don't. So right. an up tier service would not help because that that vi- still violates the regional regional restrictions that they have with the content providers. Well, iTunes manages to get around it. iTunes does. I don't know how. I, actually, I think Apple is so big that the content owner doesn't dare to mess with iTunes. And I think iTunes has their own ways of blocking blocking foreign users. For example, you must register with a local address, blah, blah. So I think local content owners are, are happy enough with those gates to, to access, gates to entry. But for me, I just see this as old media trying to flail against new media just like sure you know but, when, but when blockbuster fault when blockbuster was you know uh, suddenly realized there was this upstart called netflix that was doing you know mail order rental and they thought oh you know that's you know nothing and then they realized too late that the industry had changed you know you, you, you mentioned networks like you know fox and, and these these guys nobody young people don't watch those networks anymore they want on-demand stuff when they want to watch it. They don't want to they watch. Do. A, they don't want to watch something based on the Fox Channel schedule or based on other schedules. And even even some sure. of the local stations have had to accommodate this. So that's why we get like the you know the TVB, what is it the the My TV app and, and stuff. Uh, Fox, if you have now TV, actually Fox International Channels have an on-demand system. All the HBO now is HBO Go. Um, uh, Fox Movie Channels have also on-demand. So you're right, and and I'm not I'm not saying that old media is right. Um, I'm just saying that Netflix doesn't have enough power, the power as much power as you think. Yeah. They're not choosing to short, to short to to sell their customers short. It's not their choice. It is the old media's fault. And I'm saying, and and like I said, the old media are fighting back, and they're fighting back fiercely. So, so, right, but but the, the point the point is this: if Netflix blocks VPNs, it's not like the Hong Kong users are suddenly going to go over to Fox, right? It's not like it's going to suddenly re- change the money flow back in their direction, right? And that, that's the that's I think the misconception here is that oh, if you know we put pressure on Netflix. <laughs> Then that business is going to come back our way. I'm uh, well. I'm not. I'm not speaking in support of of any of those. I mean, it sounds like I know you think that I'm. I'm speaking like. Oh, no, I know. I, I know. I know. I'm you're saying you're, that this you're talking the business side of it. And I, this I understand exists, that. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, that's um, what I'm saying. I'm saying that this exists. I can't tell. I can't tell. 
you know, I can't say, you know, oh, you know, of course I want Netflix to have global rights to all the shows. I'm a subscriber. I want to have them all the shows. So of course I'm not going to support the, the old TV stations doing it. I'm just saying this is their, what they're coming up against. This yeah. is what they're up against. They're up against content owners who, who want to make more money for selling their content. They're up against competition from local channels who want to retain viewership by spending even more money and try to outbid Netflix. This is what they're coming up against. Yeah, there was another point too, and I don't know, I don't, I might have been talking about this with somebody and it came up or it might have been in the Saturday Morning Post article, but I don't think it was. Um, and and that is the the scramble to get these shows subtitled in Chinese. Mm-hmm. Um, because they're, you know, for, for, for many of them, uh, they, you know, they're basically starting from scratch because a lot of these programs, they get subtitling, they get closed captioning. In maybe Spanish, English, and French, um, in West, you know, in in the states under U.S. Netflix. So um, I think that's another reason why we don't have a lot of the prime content right here at the front, is because they're still, you know, somebody's sitting at a desk somewhere, um, hashing this stuff out to, you know, to be sure that it's it's appropriate. And that's, I mean, again, that's the biggest draw for me for Hong Kong Netflix. It's because you know I'm a lot of the geeky shows that I like to watch now have a Chinese subtitle option, which is great for watching with the wife. Oh, you'd be surprised how much of the shows... Actually, some of these shows now have dubs. They're dubbed in Chinese, actually. You'd be yeah. surprised. Um, um, the movies, actually, the films, a lot of these Chinese subtitles and Chinese dubs already exist because they make... These companies make the dubs with subtitles for, you know, airplane viewings and things like that. So they're made way, way ahead of time. Um, and actually, you know, all the Netflix shows... Um, they're already on Netflix. They're already subtitled in Chinese, and like I said, I'm really surprised how quickly they are jumping on this thing, uh, including dubbing them into Chinese. Yeah, might be some potential uh, job opportunities there for uh, wannabe translators. Ah, uh, they're they're professional firms for these, and you know, bless them for the you know, bless Netflix for giving them the extra money. I guess. Yeah. All right, we will probably be coming back to hash out Netflix over. Over the year, as we see further developments take place, um, <laughs> again, this is just a sort you know sort of a friendly discussion we come back to every once in a while. It's interesting to see how it develops, and uh, we'll keep you posted and appraised of uh, any further happenings with regard to Netflix and Netflix Hong Kong. Let us be so worked up. Let's <laughs> get so worked up over this. Well, you know, you do raise a good point, um, sort of on a, on a side note here. With regard to the South China Morning Post, um, I, I actually, I, I think I had a subscription, to, a digital subscription to them for over 10 years. And just this past year, I finally let it go because they've just gotten so bad. The writing has gotten so bad. And it's like you said, it's a lot of clickbait articles. It's a lot of articles that are there to generate hits and comments because they're just very uh, divisional, as I would say. Um, you know, it's like I, I've seen so many articles just in the past six months where it's like, you know, oh, expat kids are the worst, or expat, you know, or local kids are the worst. You know, it's 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 almost that blatant. You know, it's like they'll they'll put up this thing, and it's just almost like blog posts more than actual yeah. journalistic writing. What was that really dumbass thing that I read actually regarding Netflix? Oh, um, um, Netflix is here, great, but Hong Kong still needs good TV. 
It's like, <laughs> it's like, yeah, um, um, I can drink water all day, but I still need solids. Mm. <laughs> all right. Well, let us move on to some further news. Um, some interesting news, too. We have some news for about uh, a film that I'm very much looking forward to this year. And that is uh, Kung Fu Panda 3. That's right. Kung Fu Panda 3 uh, opens this week in China, um, some places in Asia, and also the United States. We in Hong Kong won't get it until Easter, but um, this is, I think, Oriental DreamWorks, which is DreamWorks Animation's um, China branch. This is their first production, I think, their, full, their first full production. And uh, what they did, something interesting, is that in addition to doing a... Uh, animated version that goes along with the English so so the you know the, the, the dialogue the shape of the mouse that go going along with the English they also produce a version where the mouse go along with the Mandarin dub um, and you know that's for the China market so that's that's okay that's understandable but what's surprising is that the Mandarin version will also be released in the US now I'm not sure how many screens this is gonna happen I assume this will only be released in big you know uh, urban markets, for example, in San Francisco Bay Area, uh, New York, LA, uh, um, communities of a large Chinese population, including student population. But this will be the first time a US produced film will be um, released in Mandarin in uh, the US of A. Um, so it's, it's kind of interesting to see this um, because clearly that Kung Fu Panda 3 will do big money in China, and this is what DreamWorks wanted the minute they built oriental dreamworks uh, in shanghai so um so you know getting the china money in china isn't enough apparently it's about getting the china money in america as mm. well um but actually it's kind of interesting because the the chinese language films um day and date releases while you know they're not you know blockbuster by any means not even by indie means they are slowly getting traction uh in the states they are making some you know okay money for what it is they making uh some films are now making you know upwards of over one million dollars uh, on a small 50 maybe 40 50 screen release um it man free was released in over 100 screens over this weekend um um you know clearly it's not about there being a fan a bigger fan base of chinese films uh in in the states clearly it only means that um there are bigger chinese communities that are you know hungry for this sort of day and date release which i find funny because remember how that's what the chinatown cinemas were about yeah getting day and date release in in big chinese communities and for some reason when they found downloads they sort of stopped going and now and now suddenly in in, in some chinese communities day and date releases are back and they're making money again so it's kind of funny to see this kind of trend yeah that is interesting um do you know by chance who's doing the voice work i mean is uh anybody big i mean is jackie chan gonna be doing the mandarin version of his character yeah, jackie chan has always done the mandarin version of his character for all three films so at least he'll be back i i, I forget who does the the voice of the uh the other uh chinese voices mm. actually. i remember what the hong kong one has some stars as well but i again i forget yeah it's, I, think it's like... I mean jackie chan also does the cantonese version obviously yeah, yeah. um but it, it, so for for listeners out there, you're not going to hear Jack Black doing Putonghua. Sure, <laughs> yeah. Um, although I, I don't know, I think. Uh, oh, here we go. Okay, okay. So I got the list here. 
Um, um, in so Apo in uh, Hong Kong will be will be dubbed by Ethan Chan as always. Um, in China is dubbed by Huan Lei. Uh, he was in Overheard Free. Um, so Jackie Chan uh, dubs his monkey. His uh, monkey. Yeah. Um, but in China, he actually dubs. Um, he's gonna dub uh, in in Kung Fu Panda Free. He'd be dubbing the panda's father. Oh, okay. Uh, instead, the monkey will be dubbed by Jay Chow. Uh, bye bye, He will be the tiger. Uh, Mini Yang will play another character. Jiang Wu, that's Jiang Wen's brother, will be one character. And and Zhang Guo Li, the uh, actor, very respected actor who was in Back to 1942, will have will also be uh, a voice on the film. Yeah, interesting. But uh, but Jackie Chan will be doing the voice for his character Monkey uh, in the Taiwan Mandarin dub. Hmm. I guess that's where they don't really care about having a having like a solid Beijing accent. I don't know, or whatever. But anyway, so Jackie Chan is in all four Greater China versions, but apparently in somewhat different characters. And I wonder if we'll get be able to get both of those on a single, you know, disc release. So you'll have to buy separate discs. Um, that is interesting that, because that, I think Hong Kong will get the Cantonese and English version, obviously, but maybe not the Mandarin version. Right, but I mean, with 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 those versions. The the lip there's it's not going to be lip synced right like it is with the Mandarin version. No, no, they're not going to do a Cantonese lip sync. Yeah. Who cares? Yeah. yeah. Um, all right, so that's interesting. Um, again, I'm kind of disappointed that we're not getting it until later. I didn't know it was getting um, released next week. Um, kind of tempted to take a trip up to Shenzhen. <laughs> I don't have a visa right now though, so. Yeah, you don't want to go up there during the New Year holiday either. Yeah, that would be insane. Um, I'll just have to wait. All right. Uh, next bit of news, uh, Johnny Toe. That's right. Uh, the latest Milky Way production, Trevisa, um, produced by Johnny Toe and Yonai Hoi, who is this, um, the scriptwriter who directed Eye in the Sky. Um, uh, Trevisa will be going to the Berlin Film Festival. Uh, it will be playing, I think, in the Panorama section. The film stars uh, Jordan Chan, um, um, God, I wish I gotta look this up. Jordan Chan, I think, uh, uh, Richie Rand, and Gordon Lamb, as uh, and it's based on the story of the notorious um, bank robbers in uh, the 1990s Hong Kong. Um, and this is directed by three young directors. Um, I think two of those were discovered through the Fresh Wave short film contest. Um, and this is the first film, and yeah, it's kind of weird to hear three directors uh, making a film together. But anyway, the film will be making its world premiere in um, in uh, in, uh, in Berlin uh, in a couple of weeks. And um, considering that it has a April release date, I have a feeling that it's going to play at the Hong Kong International Film Festival as well. Um, Paul, what do you think? Are you, are you looking forward to this weird kind of team up? Jordan Chan, Richie Ren, and uh, and Gordon Lamb. Nah, you know me. I'm I'm much more into Johnny Toe's rom coms than his uh, cops and robbers stuff. I mean, I'll, I'll see it, but uh, it's it's that genre with him at the helm doesn't tend to excite me as much as when he's doing romantic comedy. That's just it's me. Very, it's very interesting because it's a rare like real life period piece in some way, right? Because a lot of the Milky Way productions are, are based on, you know, you know, not true stories, these crime stories, fictional crime stories. But this one is it's based on real characters and real, you know, and it's really about the nineties. So um 
it, it, to me, that's kind of the drawing point, the, the plot element, and, and the fact that uh, uh, these are three young directors, you know, uh, taking the helm. So mm. I think that's also very interesting. All right, our final bit of news this week. Uh, it's almost Lunar New Year. Lunar yeah. New Year films are right around the corner. Yeah, let's. I mean, we never really properly talk about what's coming up this Lunar New Year. It's coming up a, a week away now, uh, the, at least the holiday weekend. Um, so let's let's go over quickly the, the releases. Uh, first of all, on uh, on the sixth, which is uh, the twenty eighth day, so two days before New Year's, uh, we will get from Vegas to McCaffrey. Uh, the that's Wong Jing uh, that has Charmin Fat, Andy Lau, Nick Chun, Jackie Chun. Um, um, who else? Uh, I think Sean might have a cameo or something. Who cares about him anymore? Um, uh, yeah, and, you know, of course, pretty much the biggest cast of all the New New Year films this year. Um, it's the third installment of, uh, like it or not, quite a hit series of films. Uh, on the same day, we also get Monkey King 2, Monkey King 2, which has Aaron Kwok taking over as the Monkey King. Um, also has Gong Li um, as the the spider spider. You know about this? What's, what's the proper name of her uh, her English name? Monster, the spider monster, the, the, right? The spider demon queen. Yeah, the thing, spider. I guess you know. Just think thing. think cave of the silken web, and uh, you, you get the idea. Right. Also, William Fung as the uh, the monk, um, and Shaoshen uh, Yang, a comedian, as the. Uh, as the, the, the pig, and also uh, him law <laughs> showing up as something, some blue thing, I don't know. But anyway, yeah, um, um, Soy Chan is back at the helm, and it's going to be in 3D, and that's coming out on the 6th as well. Then on the 8th, the first day of the new year, we get Stephen Chow uh, back uh, in cinemas with Mermaid. Uh, he's only directing. Uh, he won't be in front of the screen. Um, it will star newcomer Lee Yoon. Um, uh, Show Law, the, the Taiwan pop star. You can't say Taiwanese anymore, apparently, because I don't want to apologize on TV. Um, and and uh, Deng Chao. Um, but uh, of course, all before all those come out, we get Raymond Wong's new New Year comedy. All spelled that ends well. Not the new one. I'm talking about the original. Yes, Raymond Wong's company, instead of making a new 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 Year film, they are just re-releasing a remastered version of the first Oswald Ends Well with the, so, the so-called Korean alternate ending. So about 10 minutes of new footage and just dumping that in theater and call it their New New Year film. Um, Paul, what, what's your choice? Are you going to watch Oswald Ends Well? Um, no, be- no, because I actually have purchased that on hong kong itunes um and i think a year last year i bought it for does it have the alternate ending i don't think it has the alternate ending um but it is in hd so it's been upscaled and i don't know if it if they did anything more to in terms of remastering this new release besides the alternate ending but um, it looked really good in hd so um yeah i i just i've got it i don't need to to go out to the cinema to watch it and i'm you know an alternate ending for that old movie doesn't you know doesn't uh, do much for me um but i am excited for the other stuff I, I am disappointed that we're not really getting a a sort of traditional new year film this year though you know um like an all's well ends well or an i love hong kong i, I know that those tended to get run down you know after uh, a few years of a lot of the repetition 
but it doesn't look like we're getting that kind of a film, a, a new version of that kind of a sort of a, you know, the family, you know, at New Year kind of a thing this year. Not to get political, but the only sort of Cantonese, the Cantonese, real Cantonese film is by a director who on a daily basis talks down the democracy, pan-democracy <laughs> movement. So I find that kind of ironic. And of course, plenty of, I don't understand why, you know, plenty of these American or foreigners who pretend to be, you know, love Hong Kong, love Hong Kong democracy, and then go, I watch watching movies. But anyway, that's besides the point. Um, but yeah, kind of ironic that that's the most sort of Hong Kong movie we're getting. Yeah. But I mean, I'm excited to see the Monkey King uh, CG spectacular that it is. Um, be curious to see how Aaron does with that and it looks like it's it's getting a bit more into the 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 kind of stuff that I really enjoyed from those stories you know basically uh the monkey king smacking around demons all the time Um, I I assume this one's going to be darker than the first film right I mean there's no no no, uh panda suits man running around right it's hard to tell um (laughs) you know because they they didn't show us that stuff in the trailer for the first one either. So true. You, um, but you, you know the story better than I do. So I assume yeah. the whole thing with the spider demon is gonna be darker. Yeah, I mean it, it's all about basically them eating, you know, uh, the Shanzang. So it, it's you know eating another person. You know, demons eating human flesh. So hopefully it'll be at least as dark as uh, Conquering Demons was a, f- a few years ago. That was you know that kind of had a dark side, even though it got into some very strange places humor wise. Um, I'm th- I'm thinking this will be um, somewhat more dark. And then, of course, we've got the mermaid. So very excited to see what you know what Stephen Chow is going to pull out of his hat. And we, I'm, I'm we've also got Deadpool um, in in oh. the midst of that too, which I've been excited for for a while now. Yeah, I forgot about that. That's open on the second day of uh, of Chinese New Year. Yeah. So um yeah vegas to macau it's a must see just because of the cast although i'm not the the trailer has not instilled any great hope in me at all um but you know it is what it is and it's there and it's probably going to make a gazillion dollars because of you know everybody who's in it um but uh yeah you know i I, it's going to be a busy a busy new year to be sure I'm sorry, I also forgot, actually, there are two more movies. We also have Alvin and the Chipmunks, the road chip. <laughs> yeah. And also uh, Pixar's The Good Dinosaur comes out also on the fourth. Yeah. I saw, I've seen The Good Dinosaur. Um, okay. Well, sure. Back, back during that? Christmas. Um, uh, you know, it's, uh, if you're a Pixar completionist, you know, it's not terrible. Um, but it's okay. certainly not among, amongst their, their, their best work. Um, yeah, it's Pixar. Sure. Yeah. So, you know. Uh, the, the but uh, road trip I'd say yeah that's definitely Netflix fodder so <laughs> all right well um, we'll be coming back to you in the weeks to come to talk a lot more about uh, many of those movies that we just mentioned why don't we take a quick musical break and we'll be back to talk out about our movie for this week House of Wolves. <laughs> And we're back. 
our film this week is House of Wolves, the latest uh, comedy from director Vincent Koch. The story, uh, pretty straightforward, a local con man named Charlie, played by um, Francis M, is a basic town con artist, and the local village chief, uh, a Bing, played by Ronald Chang, also conniving in his own way, they both bump into Jane, a newcomer to the village they live in. Uh, the two men are instantly stricken, and they strive to compete for Jane's affections. But after a night's revelry, it turns up that uh, Jane gets pregnant, and she's unsure of which of them is the father. So the two men strive to clean up their act, but could Jane actually be conning the con men? So this is a kind of, you know, we just talked about Chinese New Year films. This is a kind of being sold as a a pre-Chinese New Year film this year. Um, it's it, I think one of the things they said was this is going to be funnier, you know, than any of the Chinese New Year films that are coming. Um, I don't know if I'd go that far. <laughs> you might want to say that's a little bit of false advertising, but we don't really know what's coming uh, to be sure. It does kind of feature a few elements, um, but it isn't a true Chinese New Year film. Um, it you know it, it's it there there's kind of a a photo moment you know of the cast and crew kind of at the end, but they don't come out and out and out wish uh, everybody a Chinese New Year. The film does kind of move through different time periods um, and in terms of the course of, a, of about a year. Um, so you do get to see, you know, a little bit of Christmas time and a little bit of um, a Chinese New Year. But again, this isn't really set to be a true Chinese New Year film. Um, it's really being trying to be sold on the strength of the two leading men, Francis M and Ronald Chang. Um, Francis M's character basically... He's this village con man who his con consists of him pretending to be a spastic who goes around and rescues stray dogs. Um, but what he in fact does is he steals people's pets and then ends up selling them off. Um, so very early on, he basically, you know, steals this dog from a little girl who's, you know, looking for her dog. And he, uh, you know, he's just a... a a nasty piece of work in in a, in a somewhat comedic sense. You know, this, this is a film that's not trying to be too mean um, because it's trying to be humorous, but uh, it's it's apparent that you're not really supposed to like these guys at first. Um, Ronald Cheng's character, on the other hand, he isn't a con man. He's, you know, he's kind of the village chief. He's in a position of power. He's got money, but he kind of uses that to sort of bluster his way through life, uh, bullying people. There's a scene where he gets together, like, some of the village kids, and he just starts paying them, you know, $20 bills until they all say that, you know, he's, like, very handsome and, and he's, he's great and, you know, this kind of thing. So um, he kind of throws his weight around that way to, to get, you know, people to do what he wants and, and to get his way. Um, the, the, sadly, though, when we talk about the humor side of it, um, nothing really came out as overly funny. I mean, I think there was maybe one or two gags where I kind of chuckled. You've probably seen most of the funniest bits if you've watched the trailer. Um, there's not much beyond the trailer that was was overly noteworthy in terms of um, humorous beats, I would say. The, the gags do sometimes consist of frequently used material. So there's a scene, for example, where a certain character gets snake bit 
and the snake you know that does the biting has crawled up their pant leg to their nether regions so you can you know gather where the snake bite was and then of course another character has to suck out the venom uh, and then you're given sort of the requisite you know kind of gag reference of that thing although you know it's not a category three movie so they're not actually showing anything but you, there's also the the gag of a character who's sucked out venom having you know something happened to their lips you've if you've seen a lot of hong kong movies you've seen this done before in fact it, it's been so done so much in other films that i'm kind of surprised that um vincent cock would return to such an overly used trope here um Beyond this, again, not a whole lot that I thought was overly funny. The film tries, but I think it tries too hard. The The characters, the, the basis for them sort of being, you know, con men and bad guys, they, they actually make reference to this through showing uh, um, the DVD, a DVD set of like Breaking Bad and Game of Thrones and basically saying, oh, you know, bad guys are hip now. Right? Everybody likes to watch bad guys, and, and you know, so they, they do a cutaway to the covers of Breaking Bad and to Game of Thrones. Um, never really, you know, they never really get you know, in, into uh, really bad stuff, though. It's you know, just sort of minor cons. And once the Jane character uh, comes into the picture, she is played by actress um, uh, Maggie Jiang Shuying, um, who I think the... Two films that listeners might know her from primarily is uh, uh, Vicky Zhao's uh, So Young, and also she was sort of the lead girl in My, My Geeky Nerdy Buddies, the sort of Taiwan uh, nerdy film from a year or two ago. Um, so she comes in, and so she th this thing happens, this night of revelry happens. They try to get her drunk. They're both trying to seduce her. Um... And then she ends up saying she's pregnant. She doesn't know who the father is. Except the reveal to the audience is that the audience knows exactly what's going on. There's no real sense of discovery. Um, which I think if they would have gone in that route and not let the audience in on everything, sort of right from the start, it would have worked better. You know, there would have been more of a sense of discovery. You, you wouldn't be sure of some of what's going on or some, you know, uh, some of the, the, the inner workings of the con, as it were. Um, but instead, everything's just kind of laid very bare bones, very out in the open, um, and then you're just kind of along for the ride. The, um, the most interesting thing, though, I do think about this film is the actual setting itself, this village that they're in. And I've tried to find out where they filmed this place at um and i haven't been able to do so yet i've i've, I've put a couple information feelers i'm still going to try and nail it down because i'd like to go visit this place it's a pretty it's pretty interesting looking um village they do some of the shots in this sort of ancient old style hong kong ancestral hall which is i, I always like these kind of buildings if i had any kind of a you know money worth anything um i wouldn't buy uh, i wouldn't want to buy a you know a penthouse in in a high-rise i'd want to buy a building like this it's got old bones and very interesting character in it um and it's it's just a kind of a kind of a neat place they don't spend enough time there for my liking though 
um, and they do have a they do have a wishing tree in the village. Now this is isn't a famous wishing tree. I live right next to the to the big famous wishing tree in uh, Lam Chun that's actually falling apart and dying because uh, so many visitors they've had so many tourists throwing stuff on it. You can't actually wish on it anymore. You have to go to this fake plastic tree to do your wishes now. Um, but they have a, a smaller sort of traditional wishing tree uh, in this village that they make reference to in the movie. Um, and so the village itself, I think, it, as a kind of character is interesting, and I would have liked to see more stuff happen there. There's some quirky moments, too, that I think in the hands of a different director, they could have done a lot more with it. So, for example, Francis M's character... Again, he's this con man who deals with pets. He's got, like, this pet rescue, and, um, you know, he helps people with, with their dogs, and he also performs, like, a uh, Taoist dog funeral, right? So if you've seen the t sort of the Taoist funerals in other films, you know, vampire films, or, or even um, a film like uh, Aberdeen, um, where they're doing the Taoist ritual for somebody's passed on, he's doing that, but for, like, people's dogs um, and they just spend like a brief moment as sort of a sight gag on it but I think that if they had done that with a little bit more a little bit more intent it could have been you know just again they could have made it a little bit more quirky and a little bit more interesting um, than the simple sight gag they were trying to trying to lead on with it the um, the other thing too I think that there are some funny moments in the trailer that you don't see in the film uh, if you watch the trailer, for example, there's a quick shot of Ronald Chang using a, a gooey duck in a very suggestive position. Um, and it's only in the trailer for, you know, maybe a second or two. And that's not anywhere in the movie. That that There's a scene of him in the movie where he's playing with seafood um, at, at, a, at, a, you know, at a market. But uh, that particular scene... That particular shot is not in the movie. And the thing is that they kind of tried to sell the vulgarity of this movie. I think they're trying to play a little bit off the, you know, the popularity of Ronald Cheng's sort of uh, abrasive characters from things like Vulgaria. And um, what was the movie he did last year, Kevin? Um, oh, gosh, Undercover Duet. Undercover Duet, you know. So some of the vulgarity from, from those performances, they're trying to sort of sell that here, but never really comes across. And the fact that they edited some of these things out from the, the trailer was a bit surprising because it just sort of lessens the overall impact even further. The um, There's a bunch of cameos, though, so here, too, it kind of is where it felt a little bit more like a uh, a New Year film, even though it's not. Um, people like uh, Lam Ji Tung has a small role, Baby John Choi, Chrissy Chow shows up as herself. Um, Louis Yun, Candice Yu, Derek Sang, Ken Lo, and a bunch of other people you'll recognize, you know, in, in, in very small roles. Um, and, you know, it's fun if, if you're like, if you're somebody who likes to sit there and just spot the cameos, this film, you know, ha has that sort of going for it. Uh, one of the big pluses, though, and, and big kudos to director Vincent Koch for going this route, sync sound for the win. Um, because the character of Jane comes in and she's speaking Putonghua um, throughout the film, and the characters of um, the characters that interact with her, primarily Francis Sim's character and Ronald Cheng's character, there's you know they're doing a little bit broken Mandarin at times, but mostly they're just speaking Cantonese to her, and she's understanding and speaking Putonghua back to them. 
and it, it just sounds good. It sounds great, and, you know, it works great. Nobody's dubbed. Um, there were a couple moments where there was some post-sound dubbing, I think just because they might have had some, uh, some bad, you know, recordings in the field, um, and that's to be expected, on, you know, on occasion. But overall, the film sounded great. Um, I do think that the two leads um, together... Francis and Ronald Chang, they have some solid moments, but um, I've never I've never really found Francis M's comedy to be all that stellar. Um, he he you know he can be hit or miss with, with with comedy roles, and here I just think that he was maybe trying a little bit too hard. They do they do try to make a uh, Triumph of the Skies reference at one point, you know, so they kind of go back to that well once again. Um, and, you know, for the most part, some people might find offense at the fact that he's he's playing a spastic as a con, because he's not really spastic. Um, but overall, it's not, I don't, I don't think, you know, I, I, I don't think it's overly offensive in, in what it's trying to do. It's just him trying to, you know, gain sympathy from people by, by taking on that role. But Ronald Chang, he, you know, he's kind of just doing his normal shtick um, as sort of a abrasive guy. And But his hairstyle, I've seen this in Japanese movies before. I think it's the first time I've seen it in a Hong Kong movie. He's got this, it's not a mohawk, but it's kind of like a mohawk. But instead of the hawk going up, he's it's kind of wrapped around on itself. And so it's like this long cucumber. Um, you know, across the top of his head. And, and I've seen this style done before in a couple Japanese movies, and he's kind of sporting it here. And it's kind of weird. You get used to it after a while. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's just, it's just one of those things that going for quirks visually, and I think they could have maybe gone for more quirks in terms of the actual uh, narrative would have been uh, a little bit better. Long and short of it is it's not super funny. Um Definitely not uh, a great comedic performance from anybody involved. Passable story kind of feels like a Chinese New Year movie, even though it's not. And you can spot some cameos, and it's got good sound. Um, so if you get a chance to watch it, you know, watch it for the village. Try and figure out where it is. And if you ever get to Hong Kong, maybe you can go visit that village, because I know I'd like to. Um, but beyond that, don't expect it to be uh, a laugh fest, because I think most of the funniest material you will have seen in the trailer. And beyond that, a lot of it is uh, a couple redundant gags and pretty much things that you know to expect because you've been told exactly what's going on. There's nothing hidden um, in the film. The one thing that surprised me with this movie too is that the the poster campaign, the poster shows both the leads. It's a really good Photoshop job, I must say. Um, they've kind of got like hulked out muscle-bound bodies and their heads are just kind of you know photoshopped on uh-huh and it has nothing to do with anything it <laughs> there there's there's nothing about that i mean at all in 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 the movie i mean it's just it was just some visual idea they came up with for the poster i guess but um it, you know it's not like uh, they go pump iron or you know one of them takes a, a super pill and and suddenly blows up you know, very big or even wears fake Hulk muscles under a shirt or anything. It's just, um, it's just a weird kind of visual reference that never comes to pass. Maybe, maybe it was something, a, a gag that hit the cutting room floor. 
listening to the East Screen West Screen podcast. Visit Comcast.com for more. Well, you have been listening to the East Screen West Screen podcast. Our theme music was composed by Rob Jabor of Snauzer Radio Orchestra. Research has come from a variety of sources, but primarily lovehkfilm.com and the Hong Kong Movie Database. Um, and, of course, the rag that won't be mentioned. <laughs> um, <laughs> we did mention it already. We, we, we did mention it, yeah. said the name twice. <laughs> um, and, of course, a tremendous amount of moral support from listeners like you. If you would like to be part of the show, you can get in touch with us via the website at congcast.com. That's K-O-N-G-C-A-S-T dot com. You can hit us up over on Twitter, twitter.com slash concast. You can email us. The email is eastscreen at gmail.com. Uh, let us know what you think of the show. Ask us a question, and we might just talk about it here. Uh, you can also find us over on the Facebook, East S West S, to keep up with uh, what we're doing, what we're going to be talking about, uh, you know, what's coming up in the very near future. And, of course, I would urge you to follow Mr. Ma in all the things that he's doing um, in his writings, in his freelance work, and everything else. So where can they keep up with you, sir? You can read uh, my monthly writing stuff on the Discovery Magazine and several magazines uh, in the in-flight entertainment section. Uh, it's on your Cathay Pacific and now Cathay Dragon flights, I guess. Uh, that's a new development that's happened today. Um, Dragon Air is now called Cathay Dragon. Um no comment, by the way. Um, anyway, you can also get you know those uh, defined Discovery magazine. Um, me and and lots of great writers uh, on the iPad app uh, now on the iTunes Store. You can also follow me on Twitter. Uh, that's at the Golden Rock. Um, that's one word at the Golden Rock. Um, I did write one blog post recently on LoveHKFilm.com, and I am planning to write another one. I've been urged to write another one, and I've been trying to find time to write another one. Unfortunately, I do not have time to write another one. Uh, but I will try, too, within the next week or two. So, um, yeah, keep keep looking out. Alright. Our next show will be episode 184, and as we just mentioned, it should be uh, Last Women Standing with Shu uh, Chi and the very young Eddie Peng. Um, I am excited to see this movie, and hopefully we'll get to talk about it, but the screenings are kind of crap, I gotta say. Um, so there is a chance that I may not get out to, to watch this movie, because they've got like, you know, two screenings a day uh, at some of the theaters, and uh, the, the times are just kind of awful. But uh, that is the plan, so hopefully if I get out to that, uh, we'll be talking about that on our next show, all of that and more. Until then, this is the East Screen, West Screen podcast saying... Don't chop down your wishing tree, and we'll see you next time. See you next time, everybody. Uh.